there is a purpose um, why I chose that particular song for for tonight. Um, last weekend, I was in Chicago, and um, I had a I had a big show at a blues club on the South Side on Saturday night. But Friday, y'all can sit down. You too, Mr. G. But Friday night, I got the opportunity to play in this small church, also on the south side. Real small. Crowd like this here. Pastor was breathing fire. And uh, my partner, Mississippi Gabe Carter, is a guy who, like myself, um, gave up playing blues to uh, to play full gospel. And even though the purpose of the the weekend was the big show in Chicago at the Blues Club, man, the fulfillment was Friday night at the church. It was unbelievable. I mean, the Lord showed up. I mean, I wish somebody would have recorded it, but there was only six people with cell phones, you know. Um, and it tied into what, uh, what my message is for tonight. Um, so before we do that, I want to pray for the service, pray for people that are sick, pray for those who need prayer. So, Lord, we ask that you watch over us tonight as we have come together as a breakaway service. We know that when two or more are gathered in your name, that an army that cannot be denied is, is empowered. We ask that you watch over all of those that are sick, especially uh, Nicole. Um, and we're thankful for Donnie, who's uh, taking care of her tonight, and all those that couldn't be here. So we stand in for them and ask that you just allow for this message to come across in the way that it was intended, and we hope that we please you with the words that uh, we put together. In Jesus' name we say amen. So um, traveling has allowed me to take what, um, what we've learned here in the church and, and really put it into play. And it really ties in with, with the message that I have uh, for tonight. It's, it's entitled, Walk the Walk. And, um, you know, it, it's, uh, we come to church, we, we're here, raise our hands, we act. Not, we don't act. We, you know, we're, we're probably at our best when we're here. Because we're in the house, we're under the cover, we're around our family. But when we go out into the world, we have to represent who we really are. And, and that is the crux of what I think, for me, what I understand that this walk and this journey is all about. It's not who we are here, it's who we are on the world. And um, so last weekend, for me personally, when I was doing those two shows, well, actually, I was first one wasn't a show, it was, it was praise and worship in the church, and the second night was a show, you know, yeah... I got a chance to do gospel in the club and reached a couple of people, and that was awesome. But playing in that little church, you know, um, you know, with just inspired music, you know, I mean, that that's what it's all about. It makes me think what what the uh, tabernacles must have been like in the days of David, when when the Bible tells us he was he was really throwing down. So you know, um, anyway. Um, before I get into the, the word and the verses, I want to want to tell y'all a couple stories. Um, and uh, I know I have a reputation for talking long, but I promise we won't be here that long. 
Um, so about two weeks ago, I was in New York and I was on my way home and I got on the plane and um, um, I was sitting in the aisle seat and this young girl who was maybe if you took Gavin and, and, and did like two Gavins, that's how tall this girl was. She wasn't very, very tall at all. And she was struggling to put this big bag up in the thing, you know, so I helped her and she was, you know, all overly appreciative, you know. And so, you know, the flight took off and we got in the air and we, we got to talking and apparently there was somebody up in first class that was sick. So they put a call out if there was any doctors or nurses on the plane. So the girl said to me, she goes, should I tell them that I'm in uh, school to become a nurse? I said, absolutely, you should tell them that. So we rang the thing, and they came down. It turned out they had four nurses on the plane, so that was all cool. Well, I guess I have a uh, type of personality that, that people like to talk to me, you know. So, so we were talking, and she said, uh, I said, wow, you know, are you going to school to uh, be a nurse? She said, yeah. I said, well, that's pretty cool. And then she said, yeah, but it's real tough, you know, because I'm, I'm doing this on my own. I said, oh, okay, all right. And she said, um, well, I have no family. I said, oh, you know, okay, I understand that. She said, um, um, I grew up in foster homes. And, um, you know, now I have a five-year-old daughter that, uh, that kind of pushes me to, to do right things. I said, okay, well, I understand that very, very well. And then she kind of looked at me and she said, I'm an ex-user. I said, okay, I understand that. And she said, um, you know, people don't know how hard it is when you're, you're an ex-user, you know, the pain of, of, of trying to stay straight and the withdrawals and all that. I said, well, how long have you been an ex-user? And she said, uh, about five years. I said, well, how old's your daughter? She said, five years. So I looked at her, and she said, yeah, I was using when, when I was pregnant. And I said, well, is your daughter okay? She said, yeah. I said, all right, well, l let me put a different spin on this for you. So you're a young girl who came up without a family, who grew up in foster homes, who got turned out on the street, got exposed to the wrong side of life, wound up using drugs, wound up pregnant, having a kid, but somehow found a way to get clean and figure out a path of what you want to do and found a way to put yourself through nursing school, which is not easy. I mean, you know, you've already been through four years and now you're in your nursing degree? She goes, yeah. I said, uh, in my eyes, that makes you a hero. And you got, you got one heck of a testimony. And when I said that, you know, she kind of, you know, knew I was leading towards church stuff. So she said, well, you know, I don't really do very well in church. I said, well, you ought to, you ought to, you ought to meet our church, you know, because we're, we're a bunch of folks just like you trying to get better every day, you know, just one, one step at a time. And she said, wow. And I said, well, where are you going to school? She said, Tucson, Arizona. I said, wow, you know, we got a church in Tucson, Arizona. And she said, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, you know. I said, I'll tell you what, um, I had told her a little bit about what I do, and, and so I reached in my bag, and I had a CD, so I gave her a CD of mine, 
and it had contact information. I said, I'm not going to ask you for your contact information, but if you find it in your heart to reach out to me, I'll tell you what I'm, I'll do. I'll fly to Tucson, and I'll bring you to our church because I know our church would be honored to hear your testimony. And she said, wow. She said, you would do that? I go, yeah, absolutely. You know, I said, look, I, I know. I know what you've been through. I'm, you know, I mean, I don't know everything, but, you know, I know a lot. And she said, uh, were you a user? I said, yes, I was. And she said, um, well, uh, how long have you been clean? And I never really thought about it like that, you know, because, you know, I, I, uh, I experimented with a lot of drugs, but I smoked herb every day for 20 years of my life. And um, the reason I quit and what got me to quit was my six-year-old son came up to me one day and he went, Daddy, why do you get high? And I caught myself trying to justify it to him. I'm like, well, son, you know, the social pressures of life and stress and, you know, I mean, you just don't understand. And my son being my son looked at me and said, yeah, okay, I get all that, but why do you get high? You know, he's six, right? I said, go in the house, you know, and, and uh, sat in the garage and cried like a little baby. And, and uh, so I looked at her, you know, and I'm thinking about that. And I said, well, I guess I've been clean for 25 years. She goes, wow. She goes, I, I, I wish I could, you know, get there. I said, I don't even think you're 25 years old. You know, I'm a lot older than you. But, um, you know, you find you find whatever it is that, you grasp onto to make sense to you, and that's what you grab onto to put it together and start walking, you know. That time in my life, I didn't know Jesus. You know, I'll be saved 10 years this October. So, um, you know, I took what I call the long way around the block um, to figure stuff out that I should have learned when people were telling me and learned by other people's mistakes. I'm too hard-headed for that. But, um, you know, when when... When that young girl kind of put me on blast, it made me think, wow, you know, I really do have to walk the walk if I'm going to sit there and talk to people like her and try and encourage her. Because if I'm just talking, then it doesn't mean anything, you know. And um, so when, when, when the plane landed, you know, I asked that girl, I said, uh, can I pray for you? And she kind of looked around the plane, you know, and everybody's grabbing their bags and waiting to get off the plane. And she goes, here? I go, yeah, right here, right now. She goes, uh, okay. So, you know, I lit the plane up, you know, and, uh, and it was, it was, uh, it was good, you know, and, um, she felt, um, you know, I don't know, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's our job to bring the word, and plant that seed. It's not our job to fix it and do the work. That's that's God, you know. So I just pray that that young lady, you know, takes me up on my offer, and uh, one day I'll be flying to Tucson to bring that girl to our church, you know. So um, last week I'm I'm in the Blues Club in Chicago on Saturday, and a good friend of mine that's a uh, that I grew up with. She's a um, she's an entertainment type person, so. The Chicago Blues Festival was in town, so she was doing a million things. So she didn't wind up coming to our show until the last song, you know. And she walked in, and she had like five or six people with her from the festival, all musicians and singers and all this. And um, so 
we all stood there and we were talking and, you know, just really being cordial. And at the end, um, one of her friends, who I did not know, um, came up to me and she said, hey, uh, you know, Lynn's told me a little bit about you. Would, would, uh, would you pray for me? You know? So if you can imagine, we're in this juke joint blues club in the south side of Chicago. It's like 1.30 in the morning. And there's all these people standing around. I said, yeah, of course I'll pray for you, you know. So uh, there was like two or three people standing there with me. And right when I started praying, I looked up and I saw this guy that had come all the way from Indiana to hear us. And when I, when I looked at his face, his, his face was broken, you know. I mean, you could see tears in his eyes. And so I just nodded at him to come in, you know. And, and so we wound up having this big prayer circle right there in the club. And, um, you know, once again, um, you know, it's not our job to intervene and do the work. It's our job to, to pray and plant the seed. So, so that's really what I was trying to accomplish. So later that night when, when I was packing up all my stuff and, and uh, putting it in the rent-a-car, um, my friend Lynn, she comes like flying up the street in her car with all of her friends. And... Um, and this one, the, the one girl that was, uh, that, that was asking me to pray for her, she said to me, she goes, you know, I'm just going to put this out there. I said, okay. She goes, uh, I don't know if you're married. I don't know if you got a girlfriend. I don't know what your thing is, but you got something going on. And she was hitting on me you know, right there in the street, right? And I'm looking at her, and the thought came to my head that, you know, it's, it's, uh, you got to walk that walk, you know, you can't, you know, it, that's just one of those things. It's, it's the world that's trying to knock you off your, your deal. Right. So I looked at her and I said, well, um, tell you what, uh, I'm married. Um, I appreciate, you know, where you're coming from. I know what, where you're going with all of this, but, um, I said, if I, if I know about you, what I know about you, I said, you, you're the girl that does all that work with the uh, Alcohol Recovery Center down in South Chicago, right? She goes, yeah. And I said, well, outside of the fact that, you know, that's not something that I can do, but I wouldn't want to mess up the opportunity to do some really good work for some, you know, fleshly stuff, you know, that lasts for a minute. So I'm telling her this, <laughs> you know, it's 1.30 in the morning. She's like, wow. She goes, uh, that's kind of real. I go, yeah, you know. And uh, I said, uh, you know, y'all just be safe and all that. And once again, you know, that whole concept of, you know, if, if we're going to be who we are, we got to walk that walk. We can't let anything deter us from we're what we're trying to accomplish this ministry this breakaway ministry is all about reaching people that need help but the truth is we're the ones that are getting healed you know if we do this right so we can't be out there acting a fool you know getting caught you know i mean that that's the last thing i needed was for you know, someone that I've been in in that club talking about playing, you know, I played a couple of gospel tunes. I, you know, reached out and tried to really just put forth who I am. And the last thing I need 
is for them to walk out that club and see me sitting there, you know, with this woman, right? Um, so the other point about that is that we got eyes on us all the time, you know? Everybody's watching. In this world, this, this devil-infested world, they're trying to knock us down every opportunity they can. That's why, you know, they jack us up at work and at school and in our careers and, you know, and in our lives. And, you know, I mean, it's the devil's no joke. You know, he'll try and stop us from doing the work that we're trying to do, which is God's work, you know. So if we don't stay solvent, if we don't, we don't understand the importance of that, we're never going to get any further, you know. And we're never going to be able to help anybody, which is not just what this ministry is all about, but the healing that we need, it's never going to come. So um, so I'm on the plane coming back from, uh, I don't know, <laughs> somewhere. June, June's been a crazy month. And... Um, all that's in my head, that whole flight, it was from Chicago the other day. And all that's in my head about, you know, putting a message together for this service is uh, is walking the walk, you know. So um, I'm looking in the Bible to find biblical reference to that. And um, a couple things popped up. The, the, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay in the book of 1 John. Um, because this whole book is uh, is all about walking the walk. Um, I got a really nice study Bible that I got over at Mardell's, and I'll tell you what, it, it breaks it down in language that I can understand, because, you know, I can listen to stuff, but if I can't understand it, then it doesn't really mean much to me, you know? So this study Bible tells me that the theme of this letter that was written by John, First uh, John, is that John writes to assure the believers of the certainty of their faith and to refute the heretical doctrine teachings that Jesus was not fully human and fully divine. Okay. Huh? That, I'm not there yet. This is, um, the cool thing about this study Bible is it does intros and it breaks it down and explains, you know, what the chapter's about and, you know, in English, <laughs> in the language that I can understand in 2014. So, um, um, and before we get into the verses uh, about this verse, or I'm sorry, about this chapter, um, he wrote this to uh, Christians who were leaving the church you know, who, who were um, getting pulled away by, by the world at the time um, by people that were, that were confusing and, 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 and pulling them away. It says here in the introduction about what the occasion and the purpose for this letter is all about is that former members of John's churches had abandoned the true faith, causing doubt in the church and fear of further desertions. And these false teachers were apparently following an early form of, of uh, evil teaching. The heresy was, was known as libertine, um, throwing off of moral restraints. So what it's saying is that um, 
at this particular time, um, people are leaving the church. They're they're getting doubt. There's you know craziness going on in their head, and there's all these false teachers that are trying to pull them in different directions. You know, um, so consequently, John wrote this letter with two basic purposes in mind. One was to expose the false teachers and to give the believers assurance of salvation. Okay, so. Um, that gave me a, a really good understanding of what this chapter is all about, all right? Um, when, when I did my research for notes, it says that there's over 300 verses that talks about that phrase of walking the walk, and most of them come out of this book. So that's, that's pretty wild. So I'm going to go to First um, John 1. Um, three uh, let me make sure that i'm sorry five and and that that uh, paragraph is entitled the light and the darkness sin and forgiveness and the word says it this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you god is light in him there is no darkness at all and if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness then we lie and do not live out out the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins and he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, if we claim we have not sinned, we make, out, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Uh, chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So this message, you know, really stood out to me because... Um, the importance of taking the the word um, to heart, you know. Um, many of us, we all hear in this church that this is the instruction manual, this is the, the word, this is if we follow it, you know, we're going to be in God's favor, and all that's true. But again, if we don't break this stuff down and study it and understand what it's talking to us, we'll never have a have a chance of fighting the battles the things that are going on today are the same things that were going on back then you know today we've got all different kind of weird religions trying to pull us away we've got a society that's going this way and that way allowing for all kinds of craziness going on you know making that that narrow journey that we walk even harder to walk because of the how many people are following all this this craziness that's out there? So we really do have to dial in and understand this stuff in a way that we can understand it and apply it in the way we walk in our lives, okay? So to me, that's what walking the walk is all about. I'm not going to read all these 300 verses. <laughs> But a couple of them uh, really spoke to me. Galatians 5.25, 
if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Okay, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Ephesians 5.8, for, for we were sometimes in darkness, but now we are in the light of the Lord as we walk, children of the light. Colossians 1.10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all his pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of, of God. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. He walks about seeking whom he can devour. And in John 1.6, which we have just uh, gone over, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, then we lie, and we do not tell the truth. 1.7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleans us from all sin. John 2.6, he said he abides in him. He that says that he abides in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. And Second John 1 6. And this is love that we walk after his commandments. That this is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. And uh, third John 1 4. I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in the truth. So what does all that mean? You know, walking the walk. Um it it to me when I read these verses and then I'm trying to understand them. And then I go out into the world, in our jobs, and in, in, in just in life. We have to be that light. We have to be true to what it is that we're being taught by the word, by the teachings that come through here, through the pastors, through the church, because this, this is where we get our strength. Without it, we're going to fail. The devil's going to win. The devil's going to grab us. And then all the people that are out there that we could have touched in our lives, they're going to be one less person that's going to be there to help them. And we don't know. It may just be that we were the one person that was supposed to plant that seed that would have saved their lives, okay? And if we didn't do that because we were messed up, we're not thinking, we're struggling, we get caught up in the world, we don't know what we're doing, and we're not helping anybody. Um. That, that young girl on that plane, um, you know, she, she uh, her story touched me, you know. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in foster homes, but, you know, my father, he didn't have a family. His family was killed in Russia in the, in the days of the Hitler army and all that. He was a Holocaust refugee, and so when, when, his whole family got wiped out and he came to, to America, he was figuring out, you know, his gift was life itself. So he didn't have a whole lot to teach me. He was learning how to be a parent with my sister and I. And, um, you know, I was lucky. I had, a, I had a good neighborhood that I grew up in, so I was kind of a product of the neighborhood, a whole bunch of parents. But, uh, you know, we pretty much figured it out on our own. You know, the point is is that, you know, it, it's uh, we didn't have a lot. You know, we didn't have that good upbringing that a lot of folks have, you know. So um, I got caught up in the world, and, and um, you know, and, and 
you know, like I say, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was addicted to marijuana. I mean, you don't, you don't smoke every day for 20 years and say, no, I wasn't an addict. You know, I could have stopped any day, you know, because if I could have, I would have, but, um, but I didn't. Um, it took my six year old son to freak me out, you know, um, I was never an alcoholic, but um, all the trouble that I really had with the law was because of alcohol. So, um, you know, it was crazy. You know, I spent 18 days in jail in Los Angeles um, behind DUIs. Crazy stuff. Crazier stuff, though, was that God always had his hand on me. He pulled me out of every one of those situations. In the conversation with the young lady that was in the car that pulled up that tried to hit on me, she told me that she was an ex-heroin addict for 18 years, had done 15 years in jail, found God while she was in jail, studied, got a degree, came out and is now doing work in Chicago with underprivileged, homeless, drug addicts. Um, she's doing incredible work. Um, you know, it's only God that that lets us grasp onto that reality that what we were doing was wrong, and and you know, we have a a manual, if you will, that'll that allow us to learn and and uh, move forward. So, you know, for me, it's it's uh, walking the walk is a daily thing. You know, and and I don't know about you, but every time through the Holy Spirit, God puts me on blast and reaches out and asks me to answer his call, I never feel ready. I'm always surprised. I'm like, you want me to do that? You know, he doesn't care that we don't know what to say. He doesn't care that we don't know what to do. You know, what he's looking for is for us to stand up and be obedient and just say, okay, Lord, I'll do it, you know, and, and I can tell you that every time he's asked me to answer the call, and, and I've blindly just accepted that, he gave me the words to say, he gave me everything that I was supposed to do, when I was supposed to just be quiet and listen, and then interpret, and then offer encouragement, and offer direction, because um, that's what it's all about, you know, so my message is that we have to stay solvent, all of us. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at myself as well, that we have to take this stuff seriously. It's not a game. The devil is real. He's out there trying to stop us. However, we've got a good God, and as long as we can have it within ourselves to humble ourselves and get on our knees and and, and ask for forgiveness and, you know, know that we're, we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be perfect. Um, that as long as we bring it to God, he's going he's gonna to fill us with the strength and the knowledge of what to do so we can do as the book of First John teaches us, which is to stay solvent and, and to carry that message that God and Jesus are real and that the more that we can show with our actions and what we do and how we act. So when people are watching us, when they're, when they're 
not with us, because most of the time it's not when we're talking to them, it's when they're watching us to see how we are, to see if we're for real, to see if the things that we're saying, if, if we're doing it ourselves. And as long as we're doing that, then God's pleased with us and he's going to protect us. That's all I got. So I know all of us here are saved. So um, instead of asking for an altar call, why don't we just pray, okay? Why don't we just pray? So Lord, stand up if you will. Lord, we come before you as sinners. We come before you as broken people, humbled, stripped of pride. And we ask you for your forgiveness for our sins and transgressions and for the disciplines that we do not have. We ask you, Lord, that if you find it in your heart to forgive us and and take our obedience and allegiance to you as we move forward, that we know that we are saved and that through you we have eternal life. For this we are grateful, for we know we cannot do this on our own. We are humbled because we know we do not deserve it. And our salvation is not something that we can earn on our own. And like the song that was played before service, we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace. We lift all of this up in the name of your glorious son and thank you for this opportunity to be together tonight. And together we say amen.